Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on our Sunday stream. We're actually live this morning. Uh, we're switching it up a little bit today. And so we usually have like a little bit of a preamble, a little bit of a conversation before we jump into our message. And so Pastor Lucas is actually going to be joining me in just a couple minutes. But while we're waiting here, um, if there's somebody that's part of your family that you're watching with that's here and that wants to comment that you guys are here, uh, we have some hosts in our feed and on our comment sections that would love to just greet you. We kind of see this moment as, as kind of our virtual lobby where people come in, they jump on our stream, we can say hi to each other, we can connect and chat. And so if you have one person that maybe wants to be uh, designated to that, feel free to ask them and get them to comment just a quick hello so that we can kind of like give you a wave as well, say hi, greet you while you're here, and just kind of join in some community together, although not face-to-face, uh, -face, but still in community together because we do still value that even though we're here uh, online. And so if you do have one of those people, feel free to say hi. Uh, but we're actually going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to um, maybe, I guess, kind of lie on our feed. We're going to be playing a little bit of a game. So stay tuned for what that's going to be like. Uh, just as Pastor Lucas joins me, I'm going to just scooch over a little bit so that he can join as well. Morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, yeah, we are going to do something a little different. If you've heard of this game, it's called Two Truths and a Lie. And the way it works is I'm going to ask Pastor Marcus to lie today, but I'm also gonna ask him to give us two truths about him. And so here's how it works. He's gonna tell three things about himself. We have to guess which one is the lie, all right? So get ready in the comments, whoever you have designated at your keyboard and your family, uh, be ready to kind of chime in on which one is the lie. So Pastor Marcus, give us two truths and a lie. Okay. These are them. Ready? The first one is, I legally changed my first and middle names when I was a child. I already have my future children's names picked out. And if I was born a girl, my parents would have named me Brittany. Do I need to repeat them just so we get them? Do, do it one more time. Okay. So I legally changed my first and middle names when I was a child. I already have my future children's names picked out. If I was born a girl, my parents would have named me Brittany. All right. So in the comments, which one is the lie? Which one is the lie? I'm going to I'm gonna think this one through. I, I know a couple of them are true. So I am going to go with... This is actually really hard for me to think of ones that you probably wouldn't have got. I mean, I, like, I don't know if I'm like exciting enough to have like really wild truths yeah. and lies. And so this was a stretch for me. This is like my, my stressful part of my morning. All right. So if you have it locked in in the comments, I'm going to give you my thought on this. I think the having your future kids' names locked in is the lie. And, and here's why. Okay. Uh, Pastor Marcus is getting a dog <laughs> and, he, and, and he still has no idea. <laughs> what he's going to name the dog. So I, 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 but I'm a planner and he is a planner, but that's, that's kind of where I'm going. That, that's okay. I'm locking in on that one. So in the comments, let us know. So pastor Marcus, which one is the lie? You were right. That was the lie is that I am a planner, uh, but I don't have my kids' names picked out. I feel like that's, I don't know. I feel like that's too much for me. I know that some people like just know and have all these things, but clearly if I have like commitment issues naming a puppy, 
Uh, I apparently am not going to have any kids' names picked out. So that was, a, that was a good read on that one. Right on, right on. So I'm going to do one as well. So get ready, get locked in. Uh, so I, I had them all. Pastor Marcus wrote them down because he was really prepared. I haven't written mine down. And so I'm kind of going off the top of my head. So as far as I can recall, every single summer of my life, other than one, my family would travel to Alberta and we'd spend time in the Rocky Mountains. Okay, that's my first one. My second is I once swam with a dolphin pushing on the bottom of my feet, skipping me across the water like a skipping stone. My third is my entire varsity basketball career in high school. I only dunked two times in a game. So those are my three. Man, those are hard because they're not like thematic in any way. They're, they're super random. Oh. So on the keyboards, let me know. What do you think is a lie? What do you think is a lie? Get her, get her down. Okay. I, I'm, I for sure know one to be true. And I'm pretty sure it's the first one. Only because I, every time we go on a hike, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you mentioned that you like hiked in the Rockies with your family. And that's one of your like favorite things to do. So I'm pretty sure that one's the truth. Although like maybe you didn't go every single year. So you never know. The second one was the Dolphins, right? Yeah. And then varsity basketball team. Okay. <sighs> just one Dolphin. Oh, just one Dolphin. Yeah. S specifically. Specifically. Okay. Uh, I think I think I'm going to go with the basketball team. Not because I doubt your like dunking abilities, but because I'm pretty sure I remember some story about Dolphins on one of your family vacations. But tell me what, what is the lie? Okay. So if you have locked in... You got it locked in? All right. My lie is ironically at six foot six, I didn't dunk a single time in my varsity <laughs> time at high school. Nice. I know right it's on. kind of embarrassing. It's okay. So that's that's my lie. Oh, yeah. I'm glad it was great. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Marcus. He's going to lead us in uh, some teaching out of Hebrews as we continue our series Hebrews, the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus. And so I'm just going to open in prayer, and then I'm going to turn it over to Marcus. So, Lord, we thank you so much that your presence is with us wherever we're gathered, wherever we are together right now on this feed. Lord, we are the church. We are the church together in your presence, bound together by your spirit. And so, God, in this moment, would you teach us? Would you uplift us? Would you, Lord God, lead us in truth? And would you cause it to become alive within us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for playing that game with us. We always like to have just a little bit of a moment to, to connect in a, a little bit of a fun way as we jump onto our feed while we're live. Well, like Pastor Lucas said, we are continuing our series in Hebrews, uh, and the kind of title of our overarching uh, series is called The Supremacy and Sufficiency of Jesus. So as I was studying this week, uh, I came across a quote that I thought was so um, interesting. It was really like clear for me. Uh, and just as I was studying this scripture, it was very, I think, clear to the word that we're, we're reading today. And I want to share it with you. It's from somebody named Joshua Liebman. It says, maturity is, is achieved when a person accepts life as full of tension. Maturity is achieved when a person accepts life as full of tension. 
What a great kind of nugget of truth this morning. Um, I think I've fallen prey, or sometimes we in general can have this viewpoint where as life progresses, whereas we like maybe learn to like adult better as we go through our life, that the tension that we often feel decreases. But Joshua Liebman uh, wrote this quote when he was far older than I was, when he was far wiser than I was. And I think if anything, that tension that we experience doesn't just decrease, but it remains, or maybe even sometimes can increase as we kind of walk through life and journey, uh, both through faith and just in life in general. And I know for me, it can be really easy to kind of grade against or rebel against the tensions of life. We're in them, we're experiencing them, and it's like, oh, I just want to do everything but what this tension is pulling me toward. But it's especially, uh, we can feel that same feeling with our faith where we have this tension of grace and truth, where we have the tension of the goal of looking more and more like Jesus every day, but not quite reaching it yet. And as we look at Hebrews today, we see the tension of what God has promised, knowing that his promises are yes and amen, and then still being in the tension of finding the full fulfillment of those. Well, have you ever felt like you're stuck in this place where you know the promise, but you haven't quite seen the fulfillment of it? I think this place is truly one of tension where we feel kind of stretched on either side, but we feel like we can't quite reach either. And I think this is one of the most prevalent tension points in our journey of faith, where we, as we understand God's promises to us, we don't always receive them in the same speed as we know them. And there are some things that God has promised to us, of course, that we've already received, like the promise of salvation if we're believers in Jesus today. Um, there's a promise of the Holy Spirit that he's given to each one of us to be our helper. There's the promise of his presence going with us and carrying along with us. But there may be some promises that we haven't quite experienced the full, true fulfillment of yet. And I think it can also be easy to believe that as we progress in our journeys of faith, that life's tension, that our faith's tension begins to loosen as well. But when I look at the characters in scripture, when I look at the characters that are actually contained in our passage today, I don't know if that's the case either. If you're exploring faith with us, uh, I, I think you can agree on some of these things, but even if you're not exploring faith or you are exploring but haven't quite made that decision to follow Jesus, that you can experience some tension in your life as well, whether that be in your relationships, whether that be in your job as you're in the tension of being where you're at in your job but wanting to progress further. And so the tension of learning those new skills or um, walking in that promotion could be your finances, where you feel the tension of needing to pay all of the bills for today, but wanting to save for a rainy day in the future. I think we can probably fill in the blank with a lot of places that we find ourselves in tension. But maturity comes not only when we accept the tensions of life, but when we actually learn to live and to thrive within that tension. But how do we manage that? How do we manage the tension? And kind of what even is this tension that we experience in our life? Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It says that the tension point between the promise and the fulfillment is active. At the tension point, promise and the fulfillment is active faith. The passage in Hebrews we're reading today gives us a lot of insight as to how people of faith who have gone far before us accepted, lived, and thrived in the tension by their faith. So we're going to turn there now. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 16. The scripture will be on the screen this morning, but if you are wanting a Bible and you don't have one for yourself, feel free to go to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, 
And we would love to either give you some resources where you can download an app to your phone, uh, or if you're here in the Powell River region, we would love to give you a physical Bible if that's what you'd like uh, alternatively. So if you fill out a quick form, we'd be able to do that for you. Uh, and we would love to just put the word of God in your hands. But let's read scripture together. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 16. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things. For by the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. and He was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he commended the world, sorry, by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of the promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would, have a, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that your promises truly are for us, yes and amen, that we can experience the promise of you, your presence, um, but that we sometimes have a expected timeline that's different than yours. And so God, as we experience that tension this morning, I pray that my words would be so quiet and that your words would speak truth to our hearts and to our minds that transforms us. Because God, we know that that's the only way that we can be transformed. So we thank you for your word, for how it instructs us and teaches us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, the author of Hebrews in the previous chapter finished by encouraging his listeners to persevere despite challenging circumstances and kind of the intense desire to fall away from faith. They were certainly in a tension point, a point of feeling stretched. They knew the promises of God. They knew the transformational experience of, of being with him but they hadn't quite received all of those fulfillment of the promises. They were scattered through the Roman Empire due to persecution. They were mistreated. They were stuck in the middle of continuing their pursuit of faith or by relieving the temporary pressure of their external circumstances by abandoning Christianity. 
Now, it probably would have been characteristic if you've joined us at all in our in our series in Hebrews, it would have been really characteristic for the writer of Hebrews to like enter into this like really cerebral, like layer discussion and argument about why at this at the tension point between the promise and the fulfillment is active faith. But instead, they choose this time to take a very different and uncharacteristic approach. Instead of giving this really layered, like really intellectual and very nuanced and very um, contained uh, kind of argument, they instead give a short definition of what faith is. It's just one verse. And then they give them a roster of men and women who have gone before them and have shown them a life of faith. And I think this is an interesting example the writer of Hebrews gives. That often in times of discouragement in our faith journey, in the times where we're feeling that tension as really stretching, what people need is not necessarily some like highbrow explanation, but rather they need encouragement that speaks to their heart, their emotions, their innermost being, before they can kind of grasp that intellectual understanding as well. Because the intellectual is still important, but sometimes that's not immediately what people need. I think this passage is both an encouragement to the hearers, but also a moment where the author of Hebrews takes a little bit of a pastoral care moment, where they comment and and encourage a group of discouraged Christians and individuals. And as we walk with people through discouragement in their faith, can we be people who are the same way, that we're empathetic, that we walk with people with the same care and the same commitment? So as we look at this passage, historically, and I'm sure you may know this, it's in Hebrews, this is called the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Heroes. That's kind of what this this passage in chapter 11 is called. But before giving the examples of those who kind of went before the audience, the author first gives a simple yet profound explanation of what faith is. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I love Love the words that they use. They use the words of assurance, hope, conviction. William Barclay comments on these words when he says, to the writer of Hebrews, faith is absolutely certain that what it believes is true and what it expects will come. It is not the hope which looks forward with wistful longing. It is a hope that looks forward with utter conviction. Faith in Jesus in any measure isn't something feeble It isn't something unreliable or fledgling. It's something that's solid. It's dynamic. It's enduring. In the same way that our sight gives us physical evidence of the material world around us, faith is kind of the sense, so to speak, that gives us the evidence of the spiritual world and the spiritual aspects of our lives. And as I've dialogued with people who are exploring faith or who even are part of faith, I've heard that they sometimes attribute faith as something that like contradicts reason or else bypasses kind of our logical thought processes. It's irrational, it's kind of against um, that kind of realm of thinking. But when we see this definition given by the author of Hebrews, I don't think this is the case at all. And David Guzik explains it well when he says, faith doesn't contradict reason, though it may go beyond reason. We objectively prove that the Bible is the most unique book ever published and has impacted society more than any other book. But only faith can prove that the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, this is a belief beyond reason, but not in contradiction to reason or against reason. This is a faith that we get to experience as God's people, one that isn't at odds with reason, but that does still extend beyond it. 
I think this type of faith is one that's not fearful, it's not shameful, it's not confusing, but it's hopeful. It's hopeful because that even when reason is shouting at us over and over about what should be or what will be, that we can have faith that there is something that's beyond but not necessarily against that reasoning. But what does this have to do with the being in the in-between of knowing the promise and the fulfillment? Well, if faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, then this is actually what enables us to endure, to experience that stretch of tension without snapping. It's the thing that although we're not holding that promise necessarily or experiencing it right now, that we can hope for it as we look forward with eyes of faith. And what better way to kind of explain this complex, mysterious, yet tangible understanding of faith than to kind of give some examples of people who went before and lived out that faith. Because these people realize that at the tension point between the promise and the fulfillment is active faith. But here's the interesting piece that the author of Hebrews distinguishes. They don't say that in verse two, for by it, meaning faith, that the people of old received the promise but rather their commendation. The word used for commendation here is martyreo. It's actually the same word where we receive the word martyr from. Um, But this word in its simplest form just means witness. Uh, And in this context means that people gained their approval by God. So what the author of Hebrews is clarifying here that is that in the tension, having faith doesn't immediately equate to receiving the fulfillment of God's promises. It means that instead we experience the recognition and the approval of God. And this recognition and approval in and of itself is a blessing. It's a promise that if we have faith, that we get to receive that that approval. And it means that approval from God isn't based on our works. It's not based on our striving, but it's instead based on our faith alone. Because faith gains its power from its object. And we are not that object. The object is actually God who gives grace to those who trust in him. That's why faith like a mustard seed can be so powerful, even though it seems kind of insignificant or small or not really like it's going to make an impact because its power is not based on the amount of faith that we express, but rather the powerful grace that God gives us as a result of our faith. And so once the author kind of gives this definition of faith, they transition to these historical examples of people of faith. We could go into like much detail about each person, hear their story, do like a big character sketch of them. But instead, I kind of want to look at some of the overarching themes that the author of Hebrews uses with these people of faith to encourage their audience. The clearest theme I think the writer of Hebrews uses, even before talking about these people, is the phrase by faith. It's almost excessive how many times it's used in this passage. When I quickly counted them in the 12 verses that we are reading, it's used 10 times. It's used almost every single verse. And as I considered why there was such an emphasis on these accomplishments and commendations being by faith, I realized something. At the start of this message, I said that the tension point between the promise and the fulfillment is active faith. But how easy is it to place something other than faith in the tension point? How easy is it to place something other than faith in the tension point? It's easy in our brokenness to think that something else can be a substitute for our faith as we're like working between the knowing the promise and receiving the fulfillment. When I look at my life, 
when I look back, I see that it's easy for me to place something in that gap that's not uh, faith. And often in that tension point, in my brokenness and my default, I'll place striving or performance in that tension point. Or if I just work harder, if I just do better, if I just be better, then maybe I'll receive that fulfillment quicker. Or maybe I'll receive that fulfillment right away. And this is part of my default that kind of constantly needs to be given back to Jesus and surrendered to him. Because if I place my performance or my striving in the tension point between the promise and the fulfillment, shame begins to take over in my life where my thought process and my internal dialogue begins to speak in such a way that's not life-giving, where I think, well, you didn't do this, and so you're not receiving the fulfillment. Or, well, if you just only did better here, then you would have received that promise. And then shame begins to just override my life, and that tension that I'm feeling snaps. It breaks. And I find myself in a really challenging spot. Now, don't hear me wrong. In the book of James, it says faith without works is dead. But faith must be at the center. It must be the nucleus in which we do everything. We must do those works as an expression of our faith, not necessarily as a qualifier for our faith. And so what do you find yourself putting in the center of the tension point? What is that thing that you you would maybe place there as our default, as we're growing in Jesus, but still not quite there. What do you place in that tension point? If you're identifying something that's maybe a little bit different than faith, can I encourage you to just take a moment today and to like work that through with Jesus, to talk to him about that, to maybe surrender that to him again, because the reality is if we place anything else there, it will begin to cause challenges for us because what you place in the tension point matters. What you place in the center of the tension point matters. And this is why the, here, the, the writer of Hebrews repeats this phrase over and over and over, by faith, by faith, by faith. Because these people are part of the hall of heroes, not because of what they've done, but because of their faith. And this would have been profound, especially for the original audience, as many of them would have been Jewish converts likely and would have expected that these people would have been part of these hall of heroes because of what they had done because of their works, but they would have then also been at risk themselves to place something in the tension point other than faith. So we see that by faith, these people were commended by God. With Abel, we see that faith enables our small act of obedience to be a powerful testimony that echoes through generations. With Enoch, we see that faith enables the fear and the sting of death to be removed and to make way for peace. His example also shows that we can please God through our faith and not what we do. With Noah, we see how faith that perseveres under scrutiny is rewarded and that God is trustworthy when he speaks to us. Abraham has kind of given the longest character sketch, both in the passage that we're reading and in the scripture to come. And I think as we, we consider this, I want to pull out three things that I learned about Abraham and, and, and his and Sarah's story. Faith sees impossible circumstances as possible through Jesus. Faith shows that God isn't done with you, no matter your age. If he has called you to something, if he has promised you something, he will remain faithful to bring it to completion. Faith sees this world as only a temporary home, where our perfect home is being created for us in eternity with Christ and is secure in him. Through Sarah, we see that even when we laugh in the face of the promise, 
God is still faithful, even in the unlikely. And so I hope and pray that these examples that the author of Hebrews gives don't, doesn't bring comparison. We'll see, well, these people had faith and they had so much faith, but I don't. But I hope that it brings you encouragement because these people had that tension in their lives as well. And yet by their faith, they managed to live a life that was full of the pursuit of Jesus, the pursuit of God. And that was the thing that put them in this hall of heroes. If they can do it by their faith, so can we whatever circumstance we find ourselves in today. So after going through this hall of faith, the author of Hebrews kind of takes a bit of a pause before continuing. And he says this in verses 13 to 16. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. At the tension point between the promise and the fulfillment is active faith. And although we get to experience some of the promises of God right now, that his promises truly are all of them, yes and amen, that tension that we feel in our faith won't be fully relieved until we reach eternity with Jesus. It says that all these people were true heroes of faith because of the resolve to follow God and trust in him, even when they didn't see the fulfillment of the promise in this life, but still had faith, faith that it would happen maybe in eternity with him. Abraham and Sarah wouldn't have actually been able to see their offspring be numbered like the stars in the sky in their lifetime. And yet they had faith that it would be done by God working in their lives and in the descendants that came after them. When it says they only saw the promises and greeted them from afar, that word greeted, um, according to William Barclay, means like a salute, as, a, as from a friend far off in the distance. See this picture of these heroes of faith kind of walking in their faith journey. And as they are looking, they see far off in the distance that promise and they greet it. But they're not quite there yet in their timeline. What the author of Hebrews is saying here is that the tension persists in our lives as people of faith because this world is not our permanent home. Although we get to experience the fullness of Christ now and see some of those Old Testament promises fulfilled that the heroes of faith did not in their earthly lifetime, we will truly experience the resolution of this tension when we are reunited with Christ in eternity, free from the effects of sin that we experience in this world. And as I was reading this, I was so excited that I got to preach on this message because it's one of my favorite passages of scripture. Why? Because it gives me such hope and peace knowing that even though I'm in the tension between the promise and all of the fulfillment, that even if I have to wait until eternity with Jesus, I will still eventually receive all of those promises I was hoping for. That there is purpose in the tension for people of faith. And that inspires my faith to continue forward when the tension feels difficult, straining, like I might snap. That with faith, I can greet those fulfillments of God's promises that are not yet, even if I can't experience them right now. That I can see them with eyes of faith and know that I know that that God is faithful because I've seen those examples of when he has been. Well, we live in the blessing of having received God's promises, and it would take me a long time to outline all of them. But for some of us, we're still in the not yet of some of God's promises being fulfilled. 
For some of us, that's a restoration of our physical bodies and the healing of our physical bodies or the fulfillment of a calling that God has placed on your life or maybe that addiction that's still nagging in the back of your mind, even though you're walking in faith, even though you're a new creation in him. Whatever that is, I want to encourage you. The fulfillment may seem far off, but I want you to take heart today. It's coming. It's coming and God is faithful. Don't give up hope now, but have faith that God is who he says he is. He's trustworthy and he's true. But can I also say that some of us not, may not receive the fulfillment of the promise until we reach eternity with Jesus. My grandma uh, suffered from pretty severe dementia and Alzheimer's in her late life, where her memory had gone, where she didn't remember who we were. She didn't remember her, her, my mom, her, her daughter. And she kind of lived in this shell where her memories and her um, personality had kind of diminished and fallen away. And we prayed that she would be healed from that. We prayed that her mind would be restored. And yet she passed away without ever experiencing the fulfillment and the restoration of her mind in this world. And yet as she, when she passed away, as much as there was this place of mourning and this place of sadness and this place of grief, I was so um, filled with joy. There was such a palpable experience of joy in that room when she had passed away because we all got to sit there together and, and experience and hope for the promise that my grandma in eternity had received that restoration of her mind, that she was fully restored in Jesus once again. And although it didn't happen in this exact life, that I'm so grateful and so glad that that, that restoration is experienced now with Jesus in eternity. And so if we haven't experienced that quite yet, don't let that diminish your hope or your faith today. The reality of some of those unfulfilled promises in this life shouldn't diminish our expectation or our hope in Jesus, but it should change how we expect and how we hope that our eyes maybe need to look just a little bit further, that our eyes need to be set just a little bit farther forward. Can I encourage you that your eyes of faith today, as you wait for a promise that may not be fulfilled in this lifetime, might just be the very thing that God uses to spur somebody else onto faith and to perseverance and can be a testimony to somebody who desperately needs it today. So don't give up. That is truly a tenacious and active faith, one that is willing and hopeful, even in the tension of the not yet. And it can be really easy to chase after the promise only, but miss out on the promise giver, who is Jesus. Because if we constantly chase that promise over and over and over, where that's where our, set, our, our eyes are set, when we maybe don't fulfill it in the timeline that they were expecting, it can cause a break in that tension. We'll find ourselves in a faith that is no longer tenable, that's no longer sustained by the promise giver. The scripture says that those people who look to the promise giver and who are willing to pursue him, even in spite of their expectation of when that fulfillment will come, are people that God identifies with. They are people who God is proud to call his people. At the tension point between the promise and the fulfillment, there is active faith. In our journey of faith, maturity comes when we accept life as full of tension, and yet we pursue him still, knowing that his presence will sustain us. And so today, let's look at the promise giver and not just the promises. 
waiting with eager expectation as we continue to pursue Jesus. And as we close, I want to just ask you one question as we respond to God's word. Is there something that you've been looking at with physical eyes that actually needs a fresh look with spiritual eyes? Is there something today that you've been looking at with physical eyes that needs a fresh look with spiritual eyes, with eyes of faith? As you pause and as you maybe consider some of those things, or maybe if you identify what those things are, can I encourage you today to walk in active faith by hoping beyond maybe what reason is telling you. That reason may be telling you that your marriage is over. That reason may be telling you that your finances are irreparable. That reason may be telling you that your relationship with that person is beyond repair. But I pray that God today would give you fresh eyes of faith to maybe see beyond that reason. To see that, that there is hope still for all of those things that seem so far gone today. That it requires eyes of faith to trust God and he truly is trustworthy. He truly is trustworthy. And so I want to pray with you that are living in attention today. And then I'm just going to have one more thing uh, before we close. So God, I pray that as there are people who are in that tension, that know your promise, but haven't quite yet experienced that fulfillment. God, I pray that you would just um, re-quicken their spirits today, that you would give them fresh set of, of eyes that are filled with faith today, that they would know still, even though they may not have found that fulfillment yet, that your promises are yes and amen. God, I pray that you would give us patience with that process, that our timeline would, and our expectation of when that would come would align with yours today, and that that tension would be something that doesn't cause us to break or snap or fall apart, but it's something that causes us to have a trajectory forward towards you as we pursue you. So God, I pray that you would draw near to those people who are experiencing that tension today, and that you would just give them a special grace this morning. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you're exploring faith in Jesus today, and you kind of want to take that next step to look beyond this world and this life, Jesus has already offered you the free gift of salvation to do so. In Romans 10 verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is how we accept that free gift, by declaring that Jesus is Lord, by believing in him and believing that he died on the cross for your sins, but that he also rose again. So if you want to make that decision today, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you as well so that you can have those same eyes of faith. God, I pray for those people who are exploring faith that want to take that next step by believing in you. God, I pray that as they are uh, in their rooms, in their kitchens, wherever they are, that they would um, confess with their mouth today and say, Jesus, you are Lord. I believe that you died for my sins and rose again for, for my forgiveness. God, I pray that you would give them uh, a fresh set of faith eyes today, that they would be able to look beyond this world and see you with eyes of faith. God, we thank you for these people and we celebrate with them today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you need prayer this morning because you're feeling like you're in that tension, or if you've made the decision to follow Jesus and you want somebody to walk with you in our journey, in your journey of faith, we would love to do that this morning. There are two ways that you can do that. The first one is to phone us here at the church up until noon at 604-483-4283, or you can text us at 604-210-8535. We would love to follow up with you, to pray with you, to champion you and to continue to spur each other on 
to continued faith in Jesus. But thank you so much for joining with us this morning. Uh, Pastor Lucas is going to join us and just give us a couple announcements as we close uh, of what to look forward to coming this week. Well, what a powerful moment. And uh, thank you, Pastor Marcus, for uh, just that encouragement. And actually, a lot of that insight um, that really spoke to me this morning, sitting behind the computer, just evaluating what am I putting in that tension point right now? And um, Lord, may it be faith. May it be faith for every one of us. Uh, a few announcements before we go today. Uh, we have our prayer meeting tonight. If you are registered already, you should be receiving an email in your inbox right away. Uh, for those who are not registered, we do still have space for tonight. And so that is tonight at seven o'clock. And you can register, just visit myevangel.church forward slash relaunch, myevangel.church forward slash relaunch, and you can get connected into our gathering tonight. Also, we want to let you know that we are going to be moving forward into the fall with our gatherings. So this week, stay tuned. We will be over our socials and our email and, and all of that. And we'll make phone calls to those that don't have access to the online. We are going to be releasing our registrations for upcoming gatherings into the fall. And so thank you for being patient with us as we are trying to navigate this as best as we can. But we pray that God is with you, that you are growing in faith. Um, because let's face it, there's a lot of places of tension in our lives right now where we can place faith. And so let's continue to put faith in those tension points and see the promises of God through eyes of faith, even if we don't see it through our physical eyes in the moment. And God has the victory. So thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you. Have a great week, everyone.